And she goes, your talk was so incredible. We can shut down the conference now. My kids are still talking about it. It was wonderful. And I was like, okay, thank you. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to EKSB Every Need Shall Bow, your Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gormley, and I'm joined, as always, by Dave, father of wildlings, Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? I'm good. How, how was I your am. Father's Day? What did you do for Father's Day? Oh, it was awesome. Actually, it was so nice. The weather was not great here, <laughs> and I just I took a long nap. It was so awesome. And and my my wife just like goes all out for stuff like that, so she she really made a nice weekend. So is your wife outdoorsy? Yeah, she definitely is. She totally is. And I am, too, to an extent, but I'm more like a glamping than a camping. You know what I mean? Like, I like glamour camping. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like to be... I hate you so much I know, right now I know. saying that. I know. I don't like to be dirty. So, uh, so um, you know, it's always an interesting... Yeah, you're like a two-shower guy, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, but we, like, have this... There's, like, this trail that we go to all the time that's, like, five minutes from our house. But it's in the middle of a city, but then you feel like you're like way out in the mountains or something like that. Cause there's this huge waterfall and stuff like that. It's awesome. So we do that all the time. And uh, you know, it's an adventure trying to get Max in his wheelchair back there and stuff like that. So, so it's a, uh, it's always crazy. Yeah. But yeah. I can only imagine. What about you guys? You guys are kind of outdoorsy. <laughs> we're, we're not outdoorsy at all. There's not a single ounce of outdoorsiness in the Gormley family line. <laughs> um, and so part of this, though, is uh, part of, like, what I'm trying to do with my family is uh, apparently connect compared to a lot of my friends, we do, like, no screen time with our kids. That compa- I mean, compared to what I'd ideally want, we do tons of stuff. But um, our kids, like, barely have screen time. So they're forced to go play or do whatever. And we have a tiny backyard in a terrible suburban flat neighborhood. And so... Um, one of the things that I've been able to do is I have a buddy who has a ranch. Cool. His parents have a ranch. And so we try to pick one weekend a month to go and we'll stay maybe one day. And I mean, they do everything from feed chickens and ride four wheelers and oh, that's awesome. all the fun stuff. Oh yeah. It is awesome. Uh, God bless the Jaeger family. And then, uh, an- oh, yeah. <laughs> and then another thing I've realized, so you and I, we work so many side jobs right? and I, I've started doing this thing called fire. It's this like movement of financially independent, retire early, all this stuff. And they talk about like side hustles and life hacking and all that annoying millennial speak that I love. But one of it is like l- looking for overlaps in your skill set. And, you know, so a lot of the stuff that I talk about with you is stuff that I then steal from you and implement in my parish. So it's, I don't feel like I'm stealing from my parish when I'm talking to you. <laughs> but this is one of the things I've realized I can do paycations. You know what a paycation is? Like where you like hook a vacation onto a paid thing you is that what this is? you are a brilliant man you are america's greatest detective i <laughs> so i trained the young adults at the cove crest summer camp who do yeah. who, who do the like small group facilitating for their um, life teens weekly summer camps for high school students so i trained the young adults brought my whole family out stayed in their beautiful family lodge Ooh. uh my kids my my daughter my oldest daughter kateri is obsessed with older she calls them all teenagers yeah She's obsessed with them. And so she, and it, it, what better kids to be around than those who volunteer? Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was uh, my kids. Uh, this is the most beautiful thing. There's this 160 year old chapel. Brendan Manning, I think, filmed a ragamuffin gospel series cool. at this chapel. Um, 
Yeah, it's like a serious, it's beautiful, it's old, it's it's awesome. And I've spent a lot of hours in prayer in that chapel over the years when I used to do the Life Teen Summer Camps. My kids, on their own, sometimes as individuals, sometimes as you know, groups or all of them, would walk to the chapel just to spend like 10 minutes in prayer. Whoa, that's awesome. And my kids never do that. Like, we pray all the time, and every time it's like, hey, kids, time to pray. They're like, no, no. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, all right, time to call Dave and get the exorcisms going. But they are, it, it like transformed them yeah, that's being awesome. on that place. So these are things. So uh, in July, I'm going out to do a an evangelization training of this new office in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And on top of that, my in-laws are from St. Louis. My wife's from St. Louis. So, right, so that's perfect. So another vacation, and uh, yeah, we're going to do this. There's one of, my, uh, one of our listeners um, told me about this cute German town where like 99% of the population is Catholic, and it's in wine country, Missouri. I can't remember what it is, St. something. And uh, we're going to go, and me and my wife are going to have a little weekend away um, together. So it's, it's awesome. Vacations are the way to go. <laughs> this is the way evangelists do it. Yeah, this is this is sad because it's like, hey, daddy, I'm so happy we get to spend all this. Oh, you're going? Okay, see you later. Yeah, but it's the all only right. way my kids can see their in laws and do all this stuff. So, it's right. It's turning yeah. to be good. So this last, um, this is kind of the topic that I wanted to address. Last week we talked about the using of scripture in evangelization, especially when you're preparing talks and doing different things. And me and you talked about our different styles. Um, but this Father's Day, I was I spent five hours in the car because I was coming back from a Steubenville youth conference. Do you ever go to those, or do you ever were, were you involved? I'd never done the youth conferences, but I I was a I gave my life to the Lord at a youth conference in you know in Louisiana, and it that was it changed my life completely. Right. So you were at Steubenville South then, right back then when you were in yeah, high school. Yeah. Yeah. Bishop Sam Jacobs. Oh, I love Bishop Sam. What year was that? Do you remember? No, uh, I don't. It would either be like 98 or 99 or something like that. So that's awesome because I went to it probably at the same time and we were at the same conference together. I think so. Isn't that funny to think about? Whoa, that's so weird. Yeah, because I went, I mean, Whoa, I was here. I wonder why I didn't light on fire. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be funny if we like had like a bad run in by the bathrooms or like in <laughs> confession line, like, get out of here, you jerk. Who do you think you are? And now I just like start crying. I'm like, you were that guy? <laughs> healing, healing, healing. Um, yeah, so I am a speaker for the Sumo conferences. So I just, we just did our first um, conference of the summer, just launched this week. There's like 20 something conferences, 60 plus thousand kids will attend it. And so one of our questions was like, how do you communicate the gospel to high school kids? And um, and since we talked about like using scripture and all that stuff last week, I thought I'd just maybe do a little walkthrough of what I did in, in order to give my presentation because they recorded it and it's um, going to be posted live on the Steubenville page. Um, the ministry that helped sponsor is called Lift 316. They did them all live streamed on Facebook. So you can find the talk there. But I had the opening talk of Friday night which generally is supposed to like set the tone for the rest of the retreat or weekend conference and all that stuff. So what I began to do in order to prepare for the talk, so I said this last time that Steubenville gives you these uh, discussion guides, outlines for your talks so that you, everyone in the, can kind of hit on the same theme but not, not so much information that it kind of takes away from the speaker to give their own flair. So this is what I did. I was given... The, basically, the, the scripture verses on the conversion of Matthew, the tax collector, right? And so what I did was I go to Matthew chapter 9, which is the passage that they want me to reference, and I um, copy and paste it into a pages document because I'm an Apple nerd. And then I go into Mark chapter 2, 
Jesus calls Levi, and I copy and paste it. And then Luke chapter 5, Jesus calls Levi. It's the little subheadings. And I copy and paste it, and then I sit with it, and I pray through it, and I read through them. I just get the reading down, and then I highlight in literally bold italics all the parts of the synoptic gospels where they differ. And so that way, like, I'm understanding, like, the different inflection points of each of the gospels. So, for instance, in Matthew 9, 13, go and learn what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So in the Jewish gospel of Matthew, he's quoting the Old Testament, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In Mark's gospel... Uh, in 2.15, it says, when he sat at table, many tax collectors and sinners were sitting with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So it emphasized the amount of disciples who were following Christ. And then in Luke's gospel, it says that Levi left everything. And then in verse 29, it says, and Levi made him a great feast in his house. Even though all of them reference this feast, Luke is the one that specifies this was Levi's doing, and it was a great feast in the house. And a lot of the people that came were also not just a lot of disciples, but a lot of tax collectors came. And then I did this study. I fired up BibleGateway.com, put in my RSV Catholic Edition Bible, and I just searched for tax collector. And then I slowly and prayerfully read every single story in the Bible that talks about tax collectors. And the interesting thing is, it's never mentioned in the epistles of Paul. It's never mentioned anywhere else. It's only contained within the Gospels and really only the synoptics because a tax collector was an outsider in the Jewish world. A tax collector was someone who collaborated with Rome uh, in, in their oppression of Israel. And so obviously, if you want to say someone is evil, someone is a sinner, someone's like a prostitute, these are people who are all outsiders. Tax collector was the type of outsider who made money off of their neighbor, their fellow Jewish neighbor, in order to send it to a foreign government, right? The oppressors, the pagan powers. It was the antithesis of all the hopes of Israel that the Messiah would come and kick out the oppressors. And yet when Jesus comes into this world, when Jesus comes into this context and this community, he goes after the outsiders. And so now breaking this apart and talking with high school students, you break down and you look at everything. I mean, there are times where Jesus uses the term negatively. If they don't listen even to the church, let him be unto you as a Gentile and a tax collector, says that in Matthew 18. So when you hear that, you're like, wow, okay. So even Jesus understood the cultural context of how outside the tax collectors were from the community. And so that's his whole thing is like he's going out to the tax collectors to bring them in, into the covenant, into faith, into repentance, into mercy, into all these things. And then the last time really the tax collectors ever mentioned is Zacchaeus. So they mentioned tax collectors as like a general group, but only two are mentioned really by name, and it's Matthew or Levi and Zacchaeus. And both of these people are notorious, and both of them completely repent and come to Christ. So the beautiful thing within the Steubenville on the Bayou Conference, or the Steubenville themes for the whole youth conference all summer, it, the theme is belong. And the idea is these people did not belong, and Christ went out to them in order to bring them back home. And constantly, so then that's the, that's the context that you kind of paint for him. And I'm using the scripture verses and I'm quoting all of these things and I'm telling some jokes about, you know, short little Zacchaeus, you know, running up a tree, shimmying up a tree and all this stuff. And then I talk about how you, you pivot to then the person that's in the, in the audience listening. What does that look like for you to be on the outside looking in? What does it mean to belong 
right? And then I kind of went, you know, because I'm a dad. You don't negate who you are when you're presenting. You don't pretend like you're cool or hip or funny if you're neither cool or hip or funny. And so I began to use my kind of view of what I'm seeing as an adult in the lives of kids, which is because of social media. Everyone does this. We all cave into peer pressure. But because of social media, we're literally every day handing our identity to our peers. And every single day, we're begging them to validate us. And so within, like, within my generation, when all these tools were being invented, it didn't affect us. But today, it's affecting young people so bad that anxiety and depression are sky high. Your parents, the ones who are with you and care about you the most and are invested in you the most, are the ones who should give you your identity. But what we're doing is we're going to the people who don't even know what life is, aka young people, teenagers, and we're asking them, tell me who I am, give me your approval. And you could have heard a pin drop in that place. You could have heard a pin drop in that place because they were like, okay, that's why everyone's telling me social media is the devil, right? And it's a fake sense of belonging. And so the whole idea is like, now where is Christ? And then, and then it just goes from that right into the gospel message. The, the, the experience of being cut off from God by our own sin, by our own seeking after other things to define us, and then you come to Christ, and Christ is the one who in the cross, in his own body of flesh, as Colossians says, destroyed the, the walls of hostility that we keep building up. And every, every new barrier that we put up, Christ is the one who wants to tear it down. And the reason why we put up barriers is because it helps us define who's us versus who's them. And in Jesus's case, he constantly seeks out after the them to make them one of us. And like he goes to the outcasts to make them insiders. And that's the heart of the church's mission. That's what Pope Paul, uh, St. Paul um, the Sixth, was trying to get at when he says the church's mission, her very identity is mission, right, is to evangelize. And so this understanding of like presenting some a simple story like the call of Matthew unveils something so super essential to the core of Christianity, which is God is pursuing us. God is pursuing us. And then I love the great catechism line, God's free initiative demands man's free response. You're not automatic. You're not a robot. It's your turn to say yes to the invitation, like Christ said to Matthew, come follow me, right? But you're the one who has to stand up and go and follow him. This is just the perfect example of looking at the world and issues in the world through the lens of Scripture, which is the lens of God, right? The lens of the eyes of God and applying, you know, the the word of God to, to a broken, you know, people in need of saving, right? And this is, this is what it was meant for. This is why, this is why God gave us the, the, the word, right? Because he wants to be among us and to, you know, work with the problems that we have and get into the mess. And I think that it's like an amazing example, right? Of how, when you're, when you live a life constantly being informed by the word, then you can just, you know, this is, this is what comes out, right? This is what comes out that you look at the world, you look at certain topics, certain problems, certain issues through the lens of the word of God. And it's the only thing that gives real clarity. Um, and, and this is like something that, you know, you turn on the television on Sunday mornings and you're going to hear lots of televangelists talk like this, right? They, they all talk about that for us. When we say the word of God, it's not just the scriptures, right? It's scriptures and tradition, and and it provides you know a much a much fuller look at 
the way God incarnates in the world today, right? That we believe in an incarnational church and how it actually answers the, the questions, the problems, the concerns of the people who he's drawing to himself. And it's, it's how dare we not respond this way oftentimes? How dare we preach the gospel of me as opposed to preaching just the gospel message? So that's awesome, Gomer. I'm glad to hear that, the, you know, that they responded well. As, you know, I, I, I'd love to hear, you know, like somebody after the conference to get their take on like what they heard and what they felt and what it meant to them. One of the first things that I did was they do this wonderful thing. Everyone has an app that they download, the My Parish app, and the Sumoville conference is on it, and so that way they can communicate with everyone by sending push notifications. Cool, and the, okay. You know, and the calendar, the schedule, you know, where to meet. And so I would after I gave my talk, um, and the kind of the evening festivities ended or whatever, I was like, I'm gonna go to the bookstore and just hang out with teenagers. Could you send a push notification? So they do, and me and Brian Greenfield, who is amazing, um, he's a teacher down in Tampa and also a evangelist. He started the Heart as Nails ministry. Um, co-founded it. He's awesome. Me and oh, really? Oh, I didn't know. The, that. I thought. Yeah, him. And, I didn't know he was part of. Yeah, that. him and Justin Fatika helped start that. Yeah. Um, cool. So we go, we go down to the bookstore, and this woman just makes a beeline over to me, and she goes, and she's Cajun. She's like, "Oh my god, oh my god," <laughs> and she's like. <laughs> And she goes, your talk was so incredible. We can shut down the conference now. My kids are still talking about it. It was wonderful. And I was like, okay, thank you. Thank you. And then she goes to Brian. And I said, I go, Brian's up next. You guys are going to love Brian. He gives you amazing. Because I don't know how to handle a compliment. And I mean, deflect, deflect. And she goes, she puts her hand on Brian. And she goes, it's like you don't even need to give your talk. You're done. Go home. <laughs> oh my gosh! That, I was like, that always happens to me. That's so. Funny. <laughs> I was like, well, I did not want that to yeah, happen. Right. Uh, <laughs> that is so. But funny. it was it was received well, so I was able to pull uh, a handful of kids and just talk about you know like because because the big thing is like we use phrases like belonging. Um, so much. In fact, my parish, I helped come up with our little vision statement, which is to belong here, to believe in Christ, uh, to believe in Jesus, and to bless others, right? So you got these like trendy little like, love God, love others, serve the world, and all these things. So that's ours. But I'm like fanatical because to me, belong is community. Right. Community is communion with the triune God and with one another through Christ. And so to emphasize that as a whole conference weekend, when this generation has never, a lot of kids don't feel alone, but they feel isolated. And what I mean by that is like at any moment, they know they could get cut off and cast out. Right, right. And if we don't address that, and that's why kids today have so much anxiety. And if we're not addressing that, and it's, it's not anxiety over like, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose it. It's, I'm going to lose my identity and my friends. And so the problem is with many parents, parents should be the ones that are constantly giving that. But we're kind of trained by society to be like, listen, you're not a good enough parent to do these things. Or you're not good enough in these areas. You as a parent, your role is to drive them to a place where someone's better than you. So dad, stop playing catch with your kids. Go take them to not just a baseball coach and team, but take them to a, like a batting expert. A camp and take, or something. Yeah, right, yeah. And drop them off, drop them off, drop them off. And the funny thing is we're turning our kids into specialists and professional athletes when they're at the age of like seven. Right. They should be generalists, right. and they should be fed by their parents, not by other people. But And they should be fed, and this is another thing that's like crazy. They um, We put too much on parents as a culture because so many homes are atomistic. It's just the nuclear family, right? Right. And when you just have the nuclear family, like it used to be like aunts and uncles 
daily. Like a mom had her sisters or her husband's sisters at the house all the time. Right. Right. They weren't, we weren't alone. So now we're asking, like, well, you Catholic mom, you need to homeschool your kids while your husband's out working and traveling. And, and it's like, no wonder we're so burned out. Um, but so, like, within this culture, once we start to see these things crystallize, we can point at it and say, this is the cause of our anxiety unto death. Like, this is the thing that's really corrupting us. And when people, I mean, the funniest thing is when, like, I did a men's session for high school students, and I talk about how you need to stop letting your peers give you your identity. And they came up to me and they were like, I feel like I just need to sit down with my mom and dad. Right. Like, what teenager says that? But, but they realize it. They realize, like, yeah, no, that's what I'm doing. I, I, my whole life lives for Snapchat. Like, Absol- it, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. You know, this is most of you out who are listening won't be asked to speak at a Studentville conference or something like that, or probably don't want to speak at a Studentville conference. But the the truth is, is that this is this is just daily practical evangelization. We're all called to be evangelizing, and we're all trying to accompany different people on their journey to the Lord. And this is just a classic example of how to respond in an evangelistic way to a regular problem of someone's life, you know? And I think that that's what's important, right, about being bathed in the word is that if someone you're accompanying presents an issue to you, it could be divorce, it could be trauma, it could be, you know, thoughts of suicide, it could be hopelessness, it could be simple apologetics. We have to be bathed in the word so that we can give not our response at that moment, but the response of of the Lord, right? That that the Lord wants to speak into those problems. Yeah, absolutely. And as an evangelist, I have to say, I'm going to give a plug to Ascension Press real quick. Their Bible that they produced, the Great Adventure Bible. Oh, I love it now. It, I love it, it now. It is. Uh, number one, I got a free copy because we do this show. And they sent me a free copy, and I got it before, like right before it went on sale. I'm a D-list Catholic celebrity. You're welcome. And uh, I read through I love it. I love it. The little essays are in there right where they need to be. They, right. It's just it's just wonderful. But the reason why I love it more than anything else, the color coding is awesome, but the layout, the people they hire to do the graphic design, the layout, and the typography is what I nerd out the most over right. because it is perfect for me. It's a perfect size, the feel, when I am doing an, like an event or a talk. I usually have my huge Scott Hahn and Curtis Mitch New Testament study Bible, which is twice as big as a regular bible and it's just cause, and it's just the new testament cuz it's filled with commentary but i can't really take that when i'm at a conference and i want to read from scripture that is my go to bible i love it so i had it with me all weekend and they just <laughs> became the best selling bible physical bible in amazon and i think they just beat out the nab $5 or niv $5 digital bible wow and so they <laughs> They won. They won Amazon. When I saw it, I was like, oh, I've been using the same. I'm not switching, you know. Mm-hmm. I love that thing. That is so, That Bible is so great. It, it, it really is. It is. And they did not ask us to say this, so we just decided to do it. So, speaking of which, we're going to take a brief break and come back with our Take Fives. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ chose corrupt, broken, imperfect, sinful men to be the foundation of his church. And because these broken, imperfect men chose to remain in relationship with Jesus, they became saints. 
and they were used by Jesus to transform hearts and minds 2,000 years later. I invite you to check out my book, Broken and Blessed, where you'll find practical tools to overcome habitual sin, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and to walk with an imperfect church toward a perfect God who is calling all of us to perfection over time. To order the paperback book or audiobook, Broken and Blessed, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we are back. I hope you had a nice break there, and I hope that you will support our friends at Ascension Press. They're such a great company, and we're, we are honored to be working with them with this podcast. Uh, we, you know, every week we try to give you these practical takeaways and we want to hear, I want to hear from somebody who's been trying to do them. I, I thought it was funny because somebody emailed us a while back and said, I just, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit stressful because it's like, I try to get them done every week, but I just can't get them done. And it's like, uh, I totally understand that this shouldn't be a, a source of stress, but for many of us, we just don't know what to do. That's why we offer these practical takeaways. Uh, speaking on that topic, right? My uh, Gomer and I would love to come out and do an evangelization training at your parish, right? Uh, I think one of the one of the things we need to do is realize we don't need a degree in evangelization. We don't need a long class, but maybe just a springboard for evangelization. And we'd love to come out to your parish. Uh, if you're interested in bringing us out, again, you can just uh, contact us the way we always say at eksb at ascensionpress.com. That's the email you can reach us with. Also, if this podcast has been blessing you, like always, we ask that you bless us back and give us a rating on whatever uh, podcast app you use or on iTunes. So let's go into the practical takeaways. Okay, Gomer, you're up first. Okay, I think this is can be kind of the cornerstone of applying this stuff in your life. I want you to go through, if you have been with us, you've read through the Gospels, or at least uh, one Gospel in one sitting or through a week or whatever. Uh, I want you to find three narratives where Jesus Christ pursues someone or talks about it, uh, someone who's on the outside and brings them in. So like the paraplegic who comes through the roof, um, the story, the parable of the prodigal son or the lost sheep or whatever. And and I want you to read through it a whole bunch of times. I want you to pick three of them. So each day pick, go through one of them, read, 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 and then just take out a journal and write your thoughts down. It, this can be reflection on it. This can be what these words mean to you. These can be, you know, a study of it, um, observation. Just write down your observations. So often Catholics want to go from reading to interpreting without the observing part. Um, just spend time, your prayer time, 30 minutes or whatever, on these passages. Because what's going to happen is you're going to catch the heart and mind of Jesus in these pursuits of people to help them belong. Awesome. Number two. Okay. I was at an event on Saturday morning and, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a huge introvert. So usually what I do is I get all set up and then I pretty much hide in the bathroom during these events and, uh, until it's my time to speak. <laughs> and I was in the bathroom and sure enough, I see this pile, little pile of these little papers in the bathroom and it's a pile of tracks. So someone from our uh, local Protestant church or some evangelist came and put a stack of uh, tracks in the in the bathroom and they were really well made. They were excellent little little tracks, uh, although they were trying to lead people away from the Catholic Church. Uh, one of the things I used to do when I first started evangelizing was try to write my own tracks, and that's what I want you to do. I want I you, to, yeah, I, I want you I to take it. like maybe a half page, right, a uh, half page, and try and write a tract. Uh, either for someone to come to know the Lord or someone to come to the church, some kind of track that would that you think would be 
you know, compelling. And, and I'm not saying you have to publish it or get it out there or anything like that, but write something that you think would do that. It's great practice for us to get our thoughts in order here uh, should, the, should the situation present itself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you're really serious, my assistant, Mary Beal, she's trying to get this side hustle started where she helps people with layouts. You throw her some coin, she can help you make them look amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I make no money off of that. Um, so community time. This is going to be super simple. I want you to ask for someone in your life to pray for you for your call to evangelize. I love that. That's it. It can be anyone. It doesn't. You don't, don't make this fancy. If you're married, ask your spouse. Ask your kid if you've got teenage kids. If you're single, just ask a friend. Ask, ask your pastor. Just, just say, can we pray together? And I'm nervous about evangelization, but I just want you to pray for me. It could be a 10-second prayer. That's it. I love it. But just ask someone. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Okay, uh, you know, listening to Gomer explain his talk from the weekend, I was just thinking about this idea that it's true. I mean, we let so much, we let the world define who we are so much. And so my my kind of step out of the boat thing for you this week is this. It's not necessarily to reach out to someone and evangelize them, but to reach out to someone in your life and and compliment them on some part of their life, right? That's not physical, not that they're athletic, not that they're not that they're handsome or beautiful or something like that, something a little bit deeper than that, right? Some kind of virtue that they possess and just like honestly give them a real compliment and, and really just connect with that person on that way. And in a certain sense, I, I just am calling you to, to, you know, love someone, but in a very concrete way, not through email, not through social media, just face to face, you know, give them an honest, serious compliment. Ooh, that's awesome. Affirm them in their character, not their appearance. Absolutely. Um, lastly, I'm going to invite you, that key moment of belonging for so many people where scripture, gospel, evangelization becomes alive is when an adult is baptized. So what I just want you to do this week and throughout the year, especially if you stumble into the mass where a rite is happening, pray for both the RCIA team and the adults to be baptized at your perish pray for their conversion pray for the holy spirit to manifest his joy in their lives and all that stuff just pray for them because your intercession even if they don't know about it still carries weight and glory so let's do that together um, this has been every knee shall bow eksb your home for catholic evangelization my name is mike gormley joined by dave van vickle and we will see you next week god bless you all